All right, so I I ended up buying the 12 inch of the Thus Giant, and it was like a like a record store day thing, and the sleeve has um, the original lyrics by Matt Johnson on the sleeve, and I think what I want to do is scan a part of the lyrics and blow it the fuck up, and then print them on a poster thing because get a full back tat. Because I'm a fanboy. Yeah. What what uh what are we looking at design wise? Get a tramp stamp. Just 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 the text, just the text. The, that's it. The, yeah, the, the 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 tramp stamp would be pretty. Uh... The, the that would be next. <laughs> next. <laughs> next. It would be. What font would that the would... tramp stamp be in? The 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 font. <laughs> the, the the font. Yeah. Papyrus, man. It's papyrus it's... is too easy. No, there there is a the the font. Yeah. Is there? Is it the one on the cover of the? Yeah, it's yeah, the, it's yeah. that weird drippy. Is it drippy? A drippy, it's like spooky. It looks a drippy like, tramp stamp is. It, it looks <laughs> like if you took um, a charcoal and like a piece of drawing paper and did one of those like, what do, what do you call those rub offs? That sounds bad. I mean, yeah, I, I love the old rub off drippy <laughs> tramp stamp. What? What is that called? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's uh, uh, CZ. What is that like called? when you rub on the tree what? and shit? Or uh, like a like a lift? No, pa- palimpsest is what's springing to mind, but that's not it. Yeah. Ooh, palimpsest. That's no, this is like sick word. It is a sick word. It's what the is title it mean? of my next DP? Palimpsest it's is like, like when, when an image is layered on top, of, like uh, on top of another image. I trace that what paper. it is. It's it, it's. Uh, it's. I think it might be something different. It's. When when traces of the old image are uh, visible, uh, oh. welcome to uh, <laughs> grammar cast vocab vocab cast. I mean, that would be a sick that dude. That's a that's a good podcast podcast about words. Words are cool, man. Podcast about us not knowing the words we're using. Yeah, <laughs> I know the words I'm using. I, just I need don't to know study that. for the what's the grad school test? I don't even know what that's called. Oh, the um. <laughs> no one knows anything today. Uh, this was a Everybody's long brain dead. Uh, it is called rub out technique. <laughs> rub out, rub out. Is that what it's called? Um, I looked it up, out. and on YouTube, it's there's a thing that says charcoal rub out technique. Not, not, not to derail, but a palimpsest is a manuscript page either from a scroll or book, which the text has been scraped or washed off so the page can be reused for another document. Oh, that's so, so you see, you, sick. You see the you so see the traces sick. of the original text. Uh, that is the while there's new thing. text on top of it. I was this is what I was trying to say in a very uh, <laughs> good way. What is what is the digital equivalent of a palimpsest? Like. Something maybe it's meme related. Maybe it's, yeah, it's meme like, related. No, no. So I was, the first thing that sprung to mind was like, like, like watermarked memes that have like multiple watermarks. Yeah, kind like of a deep fried meme, like a meme that's real crunchy. <laughs> real crunchy. You know, like SpongeBob. The, the, the encoded and the, the the encoding and reencoding and right, like it's been JPEG to GIF to PNG to JPEG to JPEG to JPEG. Yeah, that's 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 palimpsesty. That's palimpsesty, dude. I mean, it's, it's definitely palimpsesty if there were like. <clears throat> like watermarks that were then attempted to be erased and then kind of re-watermarked. Yeah, definitely. I saw this definitely. word today. 
Like outside huh? of this, I saw this word today or recently. Is this just a? Is this just this the word, word of the trending. moment? Yeah, it's, it's a trending. It's, moment. it's trending. It's it's a big thing in postmodernism. Mm. Okay, well, and we all know I don't you're very well versed. Is trending right now um, <laughs> in your theory. That you know me. I went to a. Fancy You've got school. all the Adorno books on the shelf. That I read very, very, all very slowly. All the Deleuze, slowly. all the Verso, the whole Verso catalog. Verso catalog. Some Frankfurt um, School. That's right. Yeah, that's I had a sick burn. Right. I had a sick uh, philosophy-related burn in a thread about, in a Facebook thread about Aaron's boiler room thing, where everyone was like, I don't see the problem. And I was like, y'all need to read some fucking Baudrillard and some some Debord, man. And. And what what were people's responses? No, it didn't get any likes. It didn't get any likes. <laughs> yeah, weird, <laughs> weird. Zero one, likes. Easy. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. I know. What's up with that? You should have just you should have just come back and been like, you know what? You're all the society of the spectacle. <laughs> oh god, that would have been fire. Camp beta number twelve, and this is this is your, your base basic, camp, basic camp. Yeah, basic, basic, yeah, this is basic camp beta. <laughs> basic bitch camp. Base camp basic. Base camp basic. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's better. Yeah, base camp basic. So that's good. Fuck it, we're not introducing ourselves. You know who it is. Um, now we should we should we should we should introduce. Everybody knows me. I'm Katie. This is Sean. This is Chris. This is the other Chris, CZ. Why are you always the other Chris? I, that, I was he's always the other earlier. Chris. I was like, and I feel like you, you say it in the when, same voice every time. It's he's kind al- of amazing. He's the other Chris. We've established this. When okay. do I get to be Chris and Chris becomes the other Chris? Never. Never. Damn. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Natural <clears throat> hierarchies. Oh, okay. Natural order of things. Natural order of things. <laughs> Chestnuts are done? I'm eating them all. That's fine. This episode is brought to you by uh, chestnuts given to us by our landlord, Claudio. What are chestnuts? <laughs> is this a real question? Yeah, what the fuck is a chestnut? Seriously, what the fuck is a chestnut? We've never had a chestnut. What the fuck is a chestnut? Who hold, eats a hold, chestnut? Hold, hold it up to the camera for, for CZ. Okay, this is, okay, it's it's a steamed nut. Okay, I see the Can nut. see it? I see the nut. Katie's and it's, and it's you know, steamed or boiled, so it's, it's soft inside. It's a steamed nut. You but, never um, heard like roasted chestnuts roasting on an open fire? You know what? Sure, I've so heard that. I don't know what the shell. fuck it means, though. There's like multiple shells. There's like a hard shell, and then this one doesn't have the really hard shell, but it still has like the hard skin. Yeah. And you have to peel it off, and then inside is just like this delicious. What does it taste almost like? Almost nut buttery kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's very like soft. they're really smoky. You know what's real good is a fucking boiled peanut. Boiled peanuts are Boiled peanuts are very good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Those better are, than that, in I, my opinion. That's chestnuts are way words. way meatier. You know, it's a very satisfying snack. Yeah, it's satisfying very meaty, nut. and it's yeah. yeah, it definitely fills you up. Remember Rotten.com? Rotten.com. Of course, I remember Rotten.com. rotten.com. I don't remember is Rotten.com. The business. What, what what was that all about? Rotten.com was a very is like an early is it this was like it's 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 heyday was like ninety nine to oh two. It was a collection oh, no. of disgusting shit. Now I remember what shit. this is. Disgust, just disgusting shit? Right, like gore and like serial killer information and like criminality and shit like that. 
It's like all the bad kids in uh, eighth grade. Yeah. Ninth I'm like grade, showing you a Playboy like had, right now. Had a, well, that was like how I found out about Rom.com. It's like it's, the unmonitored yeah, right. kids in the basement on the Gateway 2000. Exactly. Come over to my house exactly. so you can see Rotten.com. I mean, I'm exactly. Sh- I'm sure I sell all of its products, but just like, like a couple years later. Like out of Oregon Trail over to Rotten.com and being like, hey, Timmy, check this out. It's very bad kid, definitely. Were you a bad kid, CZ? No, I was not. Um, I fucking hated school, though. I was, a, I was weirdly enough. I, well, I was obviously the fucking weird kid, but... I also had good relations with all cliques. Mm-hmm. So I had respect, even though I was a weird outsider that nobody liked. Yeah. I, I couldn't see any of us in this group being bad kids, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. I was, I was not a bad kid. I was not a bad kid. I was yeah. a very. I already had. I like, got detention high, a lot, like, but. I had my height set higher than school. I was like, I don't even give a fuck about this shit. I'm, I'm not even going to bother. I had that being attitude a bad also. Kid. I want to, I want to rip mm. the system from the top. I was bringing my own philosophy books to eleventh uh, grade, twelfth grade. We were too class. bad for the bad kids. Yeah, too I was like, bad. I am <laughs> over your head with this shit. Actually, I should have been paying attention when I got the basics of Plato. Like, I get it. Cool. You know, you're wearing like a che shirt very cool but have you heard about joseph stalin (laughs) i don't don't know i feel like i didn't really get the best uh education i mean i've basically just been riding the wave of my excellent music taste ever Mm -hmm. since i was a teenager same same there's like so much money to be had there too there is. I mean, it's just, it's a fucking gold mine, man. Yeah. <laughs> Social credit, too. Like, talk about Social infrastructure. Talk, talk about people like wanting to like be your friend and stuff. It's totally. Good. It's cool. Like, totally. <laughs> everyone likes you. It's easy to make friends when, you know, you're, when someone's like, hey, um, you know, like, let's listen, you know, to the Foo Fighters. That's cool. And then you're like, you come back with some, you know, just weird shit, a look of disgust on your face. Here goes, there KMFDM. goes my hero. Na, 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 na. I know some Foo Fighters. Trying to diss the Foo Fighters. Just kidding. This is gonna be a Foo Fighters cast. <laughs> yeah, this is this is going well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next topic. Um, yeah, should we talk about this? God, I really don't want to say that we're gonna talk about a Facebook thread, but are we? Yeah, we're gonna talk about a Facebook. Well, thread. Which one? That's, that's how the world works these days. Chris. Which Facebook yeah. thread? Uh, the one Aaron Clark. Uh, oh yeah, kicked yeah. off today. Who who Whatever. is that? Aaron Clark does the honcho. Honcho, okay. hot Artists. mess. Yeah. What was what's the thread all about? Uh, we've been talking about Boiler Room on this podcast since the beginning, mm. and especially the effects it's had on the underground dance music community writ large. And on uh, episode two, was it two or three when we had Cindy? Yeah. CL. She basically described how Boiler Room approached her and her crews up in Toronto, and was like, "We will." Basically, brand we will basically license the boiler room name to you for a fee and allow you to throw a boiler room party yourself if you pay us. Sans sans cameras, sans whatever, just just part of the promotion engine, right? And so, Aaron posted a screenshot of an email exchange between him and someone who works for Boiler Room, laying it all out. Uh, 
they were like, yep, we are looking mm -hmm. for promotional partners around the U.S. in, they use language like lesser known cities or something like that. They're looking for partners to partner with Boiler Room where the local promoter pays Boiler Room a branding fee mm -hmm. and thus is allowed to use the Boiler Room name and logo and all that. And what a privilege. Uh, and they throw a party as Boiler Room with the local promoter doing all the work. Huh. Uh, Aaron posted a thread about this with a screenshot, and there was just like a torrent of, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. How right. is this possible? <clears throat> no way. And I found that to be kind of, I mean, it just seems like if this, if you, I mean, if it wasn't obvious that this was Boiler's Boiler Room's MO f from the very beginning since 2012, then like you gotta work on your critical thinking skills, guys. Like, <laughs> well, that's why we're here. It seems, yeah, it's, <laughs> right? I'm not to do like that, shocked to do by the this. hard work for you. I'm not shocked by this at all. Um, no, I'm not shocked by it I mean, at all. And I, I, mean, I think a lot of people. I think it didn't seem to me, at least, that a lot of people were shocked. More just kind of like. I don't know, waking up to just sure. how guess, shitty this is, you know, like, right. you know, right. not kind of like, wow, like I loved Boiler Room. I can't imagine. It was more than just like, whoa, fuck. I didn't know like it was this shitty. I mean, I think people in that thread were real shocked by the nakedness of their negotiating tactics and the fact that they're straight up being like literally pay to have a right. Boiler Room in, in your in your city. Right. Straight up pay to play unabashedly. Right. But I think that, I mean, honestly, that doesn't even, it doesn't surprise me and it doesn't bother me. And the and in my view, the real issue is not the fact that they're trying to sell their name to small promoters around the United States and around Europe. It's that they're, it's that they have already reached a point at which they can sell 1,600 tickets with no lineup. That means that like, that means that they've won. They've succeeded. They've successfully co-opted the credibility of all the underground artists that they've used to build themselves up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, to me, is the issue. It's not the issue Would that they're trying to fucking license their name. It's like, what are you going to do about these legions of fans, new, new fans, especially in the States, of dance music, for whom Boiler Room is the coolest shit on the block. Like, that's what they're looking for. Of course. So. But would you, I have a quick question. Um, would you say that that's how, in general, that's how, like, the role of the promoter kind of works anyway? It's like they are always um, brand building I mean, in some ways. yes and no. I mean, I think it's And it's then they use their connections when they book someone to sort of, you know, like... I'll book you and then you book me and then, or whatever, like, well, yeah, I mean, I think that happens, but, and I think, you know, I think successful promoters have to be business minded to in general, some degree. Yeah, that's just, but I also think the promoters that really make a difference and make an impact are the ones that build community. And like, that's what, that, that is what I've always tried to do as a promoter is right. showcase. A then we go back to the definition scene, of community, sound, build a, build a, and vision. Space. Yeah. Do you, would yeah, you yeah. would you say that you have a vision? I do. I would say that. I would say that. What does your vision entail? 
for me, I always, I always sort of can tell when I go to a party or an event and it feels like there's a real community that's there to support each other and the, and the music that's on, on offer versus something that has no, I don't know. It just feels kind of lifeless. Yeah. Disconnected from, um, a real like home base audience. I think, um, I saw a comment from Chris Cruz on the, um, on that thread said something basically paraphrasing here, but something just along the lines of like, underground culture always has to come from the bottom up like it can never be this thing that is like delegated from the top down it's not underground if it's not you know something that is just this bubbling thing from a bunch of people from like you know kind of like what we're talking about from a community do people actually want that's the question that i have is do people actually want to be or um identify with uh, quote unquote underground, or is it just well, another sort of catchphrase that's thrown that's around thing, to sort of be like, okay, I mean, this no, th- I mean, file I, this under underground. People certainly want to see be seen as underground, right? Which is why Boiler Room is successful, is because they've repackaged this notion of underground culture and they've sold it to hundreds of thousands of people who have no connection to it, and they've been very successful at at that. And I mean, I agree with Chris's comment that, that that real underground DIY exciting culture comes from the bottom up. But the fact of the matter is, is that the way that we distribute culture nowadays makes it possible for an entity like Boiler Room to basically chop the whole thing up, repackage it, and then resell it. And I mean, that's just the way things work now. Yeah, no, I mean... Totally. And they, and they and they managed to do it all without paying any artists along the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, right. I mean, talk about that's a that's a fucking hat trick, dude. That's like yeah, a, yeah. You, you, that's a you got to give him props. Um, full court three pointer right there. No, I think I think the the I think the big mistake everyone is making here is that they still think dance music is underground. Yeah, like sure. Who 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 are we kidding? This is uh, this. But is it's a, not even that. It's I mean I think that's part of it. But I think I don't know. I think that sucks most about Boiler Room is, I mean, this was just like started by some shit rich British kid. Like this is just his pet product, you know, like Blaze Belleville, yo. Yeah, he was just like, I mean, he was just like the son of like the son of like the second to last British Raj or something. Yeah, you know, I just like uh, super, you know, posh dickhead, and like he was able to because he's a rich kid, like turn it into this thing. Um, I mean, I think that's kind of right there is the untold story of so much music is if you want to succeed in music, there's no better way than being rich. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, dude, that's, that it's, is, it's not just music, is, but yeah. Well, yeah. I, no, I know, <laughs> but it's, but it's particularly music because you sustainable have the, income you have the time to make it. Yeah. You have the, is fucking impossible in the music industry. You have the money. Just already there. You have like right. you all have the, the connections. Money, you have the time. You have the time. The time. The time is the big, is thing. The big like, yeah, yeah. thing. <laughs> if you don't have to work for a living, that means. But you I think can... I think this is the same in like in, in pretty much any remotely desirable creative field, from graphic yeah. design to like to to to, to like anything creative in publishing, <clears throat> where you have to yeah. uh, any anything where you would need to say like uh, be able to you know undergo a two-year internship before you can even be viable for right. a, a real job in the, in the field. Um, 
and also need you know often whatever education and everything too right i mean yeah this is how like yeah i mean, I mean I, you know capitalism that's... loves to like present itself as a meritocracy but the only way to like you know make the forbes <clears throat> you know 500 uh list is if you're just like some shitty rich kid who like i mean like yeah, yeah. i mean like anyone could have started boiler room you know then you know like people will the inevitable will always come back that like any rich kid could have been donald trump yeah exactly it's like <laughs> you know oh no like he was like the you know like well you know you could have done it but you didn't it's like well no he was the kid who had like a right. billionaire father and like <clears throat> you know just knew like billionaire investors off the bat and like and this i mean this happens, <clears throat> on, a, this happens on a much smaller level too obviously yeah so, it has, you know, yeah exactly it's 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 like the people who can afford to take uh you know uh 50 grand from their parents to start the record label or the party or whatever you know yeah yep. yeah of course um, yeah we all know this intuitively but it's just i i think with this example it's so in your face especially right, exactly that's that 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 i think is what really goads about the boiler room situation is it's just it's so it's so naked and it's so blatant and it's like in my opinion it's something we all should have seen coming since the beginning but it's gotten to the point where they've achieved brand recognition such that they can, they they can do whatever they want culture they can do whatever the they fucking want. simulacrum it's the 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 the, the thing representing a thing being in place of the thing itself. Would you say no to playing one? Uh, probably yes. I, I, I don't think the issue is the, is the DJs and the artists that have played Boiler Room. I mean, I think yeah. every, I, I'm sure it's, it's because from having spoken to many of them, they're all doing it for, for good reasons. They're just trying to, you know, cut through the noise, make a name for themselves, get a little bit of cred, get like, get a get a it's you know it's like a business card it helps you get booked supposedly it hasn't worked for me but (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i mean but like you can't you can't fault like you know i mean we've talked about this a little bit when we talk about corporate sponsorships i mean you can't really fault the individual artists for making these decisions and it's a very sort of especially now it's very i think difficult line for people right, to navigate when they're like when they've crossed the line into like for sure selling out you know right exactly like i think every decision artists make these days in this era in this world is a faustian bargain in some way shape or form yeah 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 certainly i mean well just just even being on soundcloud is that you know just even being on on social media is 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 is, is uh Right, and I mean, there's no real alternative at this point. No, I mean, you know, you could decide to keep your music practice solely for yourself <clears throat> and your friends and whatever small community you you happen to be part of. Um, and you know, remember Jandek? Yeah. Hell yeah. Jandek is real fucking fascinating to me. Really, like I don't even understand like what or who he is. Let's oh, tell the story a little bit. Probably a rich yes. kid. So my, my understanding of Jandek is that he is a, uh, I guess, pathologically reclusive person who lives in some small Texas town. And since like the 80s or maybe even the 70s, right? he's been issuing his own private press <laughs> records of his own music, which is like 
the most fucked up folk music you'll ever hear. I've heard some of it. I've always yeah. liked that track, um, Pending Doom. Yeah, and I think, you know, for like 30-something years, he issued I like shitload of records that, as far as I understand, he produced, financed, and sold himself. And in the like mid-aughts or so, he got started getting press from some from somewhere because he's such a fucking weird compelling story and like he he did he finally did a couple interviews maybe for the first time in his entire life yeah i remember and then that he started playing live i remember that yeah i never would and i mean it's just such a weird it's such a weird story because i mean he bucked the system to the point where like that's some true outsider shit. I think there might be a difference between like refusing to partake and just not having the frame of reference of partaking. Well, maybe. I mean, yeah. And I think that maybe. that's why he's such a compelling and singular like figure is because th- to probably what I'm assuming is given the like little um little bit that I know about him is that it's like there's nothing to like circumvent from his perspective. It's just that he is a true recluse and um, he's making stuff almost in an outsider way, sort of just naturally by being, you know, like it's not like a forced thing, but I could be right. completely wrong. And I think that's, I think that's why people are so fascinated by him. Right. Exactly. Right. But I think this is also like a, it's different. Like this is a very intentional thing. Whereas I think, and I have absolutely no data to back this up, but, um, you know, this is base camp beta. We don't check facts. Uh, um, <laughs> But, you know, my intuition tells me that there are many, many communities around the globe making music, not selling it, not doing anything with it. Music that is incredibly singular to those communities and that has absolutely no, isn't sold anywhere. It it, 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 it has no distribution of any kind. Yeah, and it refuses to participate in any sort of wider mainstream culture just because, like, it Why doesn't would have it? a place to fit. Yeah, there's yeah. no word to... It's like, yeah. it's music for this group of people. I think there's, there's, there's a lot people. less of that than there was, though. There's definitely a lot less of it over the past, since the dawn of the re- record industry, than than there was. But I, to me, that seems like a much more honest path forward, like something we can learn from, rather than like one dude refusing to be a part of the industry, but also like, also becoming part of the industry because of it you know like getting a lot of press and stuff and like getting a name for himself because of like his positioning of himself as like this recluse you know i think when you do something for like 30 plus years and you don't expect anything to happen and then something like weirdly does happen Mm -hmm. maybe it wasn't (laughs) yeah and you know yeah 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 no i I mean i I don't much i don't know much about him um but just to sort of say that i think there's also like a lot of other instances of this kind of music that literally don't get any press and to me that's like the bright light or like yeah at least points to something like if we love underground music if we really love tweaked out bizarre music that we share with our friends i kind of think that the path that we should be looking for is more in line with that which has nothing to do with mainstream culture and is completely like yeah, I don't know if I want to say isolated, but just is yeah isolated because it. Why would it? It has absolutely no I, place. I think that I would be happiest just making music that I want to make. Right. 
and doing the projects that I feel like, like I want to finish this because I've always wanted to do this. And like know? share it with your friends. Maybe cool if it was like a release or, if, right. you know. But even but if it's just like not I mean, a release, but just like something where, you know, like a, a small community and like the music never escapes that small community. I mean, for me, the ultimate example of this phenomenon that you're talking about is Anson, the label from Germany. Um, I don't. I don't know if I know that. Anson. Yeah. Anson. <clears throat> oh, Anson. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Anson. Yeah. Like A N S E N. I mean, they've been they've been around since the early '90s, and they've occupied their own little world, their own little sphere. Their own little rhythmic noise world. Never any kind of real press, as far as I know. Yeah, but that's the, they are part of like a, a scene in Germany that is, you know, first of all, Germans buy physical media and still do. Right. Um, so, I mean, I, I, the label has been moderately successful since the 90s. Yeah, I mean, I think right. for, um, for what I'm kind of talking about, you need to like go off the grid. Basically. You need to go off the, you need to basically like destroy it. Yeah, you basically need to forget the idea of a record label and like a release. Like wax cylinder shit? No, I mean, like, before that, you know, like, to return to a kind of music that is, like, intensely uh, geographically specific. A and temporary communal. autonomous zone? I mean, that's, so <laughs> you're talking about the, like, the autonomous, mut- the autonomous mutant fest, which is happening right now in California. Uh, maybe I was. I don't know. Yeah, tell me, tell I mean, me more, Chris. It's, it's basically, it's what Burning Man... It's the original idea of Burning Man. It's a I love bunch Burning of Man, so um, so count me in. <laughs> Chris um, is a burner no at more. heart. Burner at heart. Right. I I love the Playa, bro. Um, deep Playa no, Tech. AMF. That's our that's our whole that's our deep Playa Tech. Deep Playa Tech, baby. Deep that's Playa Tech. that's our deep thing. Playa Tech. Just, as long as it's yeah. deep, I like it. Okay. I want groove and vibes, um, <laughs> and I don't want it to mess with my ketamine trip nor yes. my um, sort of libertarian. I don't want anyone coming into my tent, basically. Right. I don't into want these DMT ruffians. Into my gnome zone. Right. And I don't want any ruffians stealing my bottles of water. Except the models. <laughs> models are allowed into Models are okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but no, AMF, AMF is this gathering of basically... It's basically free party culture, but California, but like on the West Coast. On the West Coast of... Of, of the U.S. Uh-huh. And this gathering has been happening for 23 years now. This is their 23rd edition. Uh, there are no ticket sales of any kind. It's people with sound systems that gather in the fucking middle of the woods in Oregon or Northern California. And they throw an insane psychedelic dirt rave <clears throat> for like 10 days. I mean, yeah, that sounds very much like the like the European free techno scene. Right. Tech- exactly. It's tech- kind of the same. Uh, yeah, I would assume, like, yeah, kind of uh, inspired by the, you know, the the Spiral Tribe. Uh, Spiral Tribe, yep, yep. Um, that's the, but I, mean, that's I, 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 I didn't know that happened in uh, in California. I sort of yeah. assumed that something along those lines probably still existed around there, but... Uh, Sounds great. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. What, what, mean, what, that's, what, do you know what the music is like? Uh, lots of gabber, lots of... So, yeah, so it is like, So it is just... Fast acid. Right, yeah, right, it's right. It's, the, it's, it's free tech. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that, exactly. That's cool. I didn't know that existed in, uh, on the yeah. West Coast. I'm, yeah, I'm not into that. I'm, um, Is free tech Give me cool? Playa. Give me Playa. <laughs> give me Playa. That sounds, too, yeah. that sounds too rough. I don't want any, I don't want any bumps yeah. in the road. You know? Take me to Robot Heart, baby. <laughs> robot Heart. <laughs> God, I like, 
I hesitate to bring this shit up because your brain is so SF rattled <laughs> with all this burner trash that yeah. you don't even, you know, that I don't want to know. It's just fucking second nature for me. Yeah. There's God. not as much of that here. Luckily. No, but Luckily. Robot Heart is a New York thing, right? I have no idea. Oh, I think actually, it is. I don't even know what it is, but the name just makes me. So the New Yorkers don't know. Never what heard of it. Really, really fucking grinds my gears and juices my jeans <laughs> is Burning Man parties that call themselves fundraisers. <laughs> For what? That is that's a total thing. Okay, there is a fucking happening in San Francisco in a couple weeks. There is a Burning Man fundraiser fundraiser in the biggest air quotes you can imagine, headlined by Diplo. Sick. Is it like fundraising for Boiler Room? Like what? It's fun. <laughs> it's fundraising to get these people out to the playa, bro. What? Oh, it's like to fun. It's fundraising to like for a Burning to Man voyage. Fucking supply your Burning Man camp. Wow. So you can. So it's live... like, why don't I call everything I do a fucking fundraiser? But I thought there was no like <laughs> currency in the Burning Man's world. Oh. No, there's no currency at the playa. And there's no age you of consent either. It's great. currency to get to the playa. Oh, yeah. That makes no sense. Uh, the whole What's thing the just sounds so What's the point of the no terrible. currency if it takes, like, fucking millions of dollars to get there? Radical self-reliance, bro. Ew. Radical self-reliance. This is why Grover Norquist loves it. It's you, <laughs> yeah. Katie. It's you and the elements. So Man, anyway, from here on out, everything I do, every party I throw, every record I put out, fundraiser. they're fundraisers. We so. should we should have a fundraiser fundraiser for the podcast. Absolutely, we should. absolutely, absolutely. What would we do at the What would we do at the base camp beta fundraiser? People, we could, could raise funds. You could to have bake sale. Pe- <laughs> Honestly, no, no, no. base camp beta bake well, sale would be beta. fucking sick. <laughs> yes, that would be sick. But be I bet you, if we cupcakes. raised funds. To bring the Basecamp beta team out to Burning Man, people would donate. Oh, God, don't unleash this because I know we're going <laughs> to think about it and maybe do it. Basecamp beta Imagine West Coast Imagine the three tour. of us in the desert. The four oh, of that's, us. That's, you too, Katie. That's brutal. Oh, God. I really want to go to, like, Santa Fe and some other zones of the desert. No, but no, I we don't... have to go to Burning Man. Yeah, we have to go to the know. playa. Deep playa. We have to report back. I think back. I would escape. And I'd be like, I Chris, what are you going to dress as? The farthest away from uh, this. I've got my. I'm actually dressing up as the lead singer of Four Non Blondes. <laughs> Which, when you watch that video, that is Burning Man fashion. Like they. Is she wearing the top hat in that video? Am I getting yes, this right? Yes, Okay, she's wearing a top hat some... with fucking steampunk goggles on it. It's like it's it's all right there. Yeah. It's right there. Damn, I'll build like a... And some white dreads, too. Yep, yep, yep. I'll build a steam-powered Zeppelin to get us there. Hell yeah. I'll grow out my mustache and get a monocle. Exactly. And, uh, you, need to, you need to wax that mustache. I'm going to give you I the want. ultimate steampunk makeover. Oh, shit. Yeah, I want a steampunk makeover. <laughs> Let's do this. There's a steampunk masquerade happening here in San Francisco. I'm, God damn it, Chris! I'm I, like it's like every it's like it's every a, minute it's just some other horrible <laughs> fucking thing. I'm looking at and it's a Chris, Burning Man fundraiser. It's a, burning it's a fucking Burning Man fundraiser. I'm looking at Chris right now, and yeah, I can almost picture the steampunk makeover. I mean, you know, yeah. I can do the mustache. That's yeah, a given. the mustache, the mustache is like definitely part of it. Yeah, and like a three piece suit with like a chain coming out of the vest. Yeah, yeah, I want to basically like, like some of the buttons are missing and the yes, ed- some yes. of the edges are frayed. I want to like I want to basically dress like Emiliano Zapata, 
but then have like I don't know, like a steam powered like sombrero that like goes up and down or something. Yeah, steam part. Some That's eyeliner. Cool. Eyeliner. Yeah. Uh, I think you need eyeliner. Definitely. Eyeliner. I, I mean, I definitely need eyeliner. Guy if liner. I'm going, if I'm going to the playa, you got. I mean, you got to be. You got to yeah. have your eyeliner. eyeliner. Some glitter. It's like uh, it's like all the football players who wear um the like the black shit under their eyes for yeah. the sun. Yeah, you need eyeliner for sure. Yeah. And some more like jewelry. I do need jewelry. I don't have any jewelry. But it's got to be like skeleton. I was like, going to say like skull, extremely skull appropriative mm-hmm. cross-cultural appropriation. No, yeah. Jewelry. I I need a uh, But you mix it all up when you're steampunk, you know. Yeah, you mix like, it it's up. It's got layers of references right and signifiers this is good i think this is a good plan yeah we're gonna go to the playa our, uh, our base camp beta camp on playa oh fuck true base camp beta podcasting booth that we podcast from. i would do we'll do live podcasting yeah and we'll get um i don't know dax we'll j get, uh, on or something <laughs> i don't know we'll get zuck dude let's go for zuck let's go let's fucking reach for the stars here zuck and dax j Zuck and Dax J. Back to back. There we go. And who else? Grover Norquist. Grover. Yeah. Um, What about um, any women? No, 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 no women. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. This is uh, Law of the Jungle. The true um, libertarian man of the woods, Robert Bly style shit. Another thing that drives me fucking insane about Burning Man culture is how people say on playa as opposed to on the playa. On playa? They're, like, they're on playa. On playa. Now, this is too much playa. information that I don't need to know. Yeah. Yeah, you guys, you need to, be, I need to fucking, you guys are getting a crash course in burner culture right now. Wow. I mean, I've been to San Francisco enough. Well, I live here, man. I know. <laughs> God. What were you doing at Burning Man? There are very few rules. It's actually what Hayek would have called spontaneous order. Is it a free market kind of place? It is free market in the following sense that nobody tells you what to do. Well, there, there was a dance music-ish drama. Uh, oh, yeah. The Dave RA, the said. RA mess. What did they do? Dave said they were whitewashing jungle. I, I have not paid attention there was to this They made so, a very so, racist comment. Yeah, there was a review of some event where they talk about jungle, and they... I can't remember exactly what the line was, but it was something like... Um, the They said, like, uh, so-and-so DJ set was great because it was like jungle minus the obnoxious MCs and yeah. and and the threat of getting stabbed on the walk home yeah right, yeah, right, right, yeah right. that's what it was which is just Jesus. like sounds about on par for just like <laughs> blow that dog whistle yeah <laughs> fucking hey, that's not even a dog whistle that's just right uh, yeah <laughs> that's, okay all right yeah that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a cop siren man <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah that's bad yeah it's it's but i mean come on are we what idiot wrote that i want to know i I don't it it doesn't matter it was some 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 staff writer uh you know and there there was immediate outrage he was immediately shamed uh you know andrew rice issued a a uh you know a public apology and uh then immediately the next day they posted some ra posted an article about uh putting queer and uh you know uh the new generation of queer. Yeah, party. exactly. Yeah. Um, they Makes had, they, it all okay. They had that one, you know, in the pocket basically for, uh, for damage control. For just <laughs> this moment, yeah. 
<laughs> they, um, yeah, they were just keeping it in the pocket. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. They knew something was going to happen. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, there was that really good uh, Twitter thread, Sean, that you linked. I can't remember the author, but it was basically about how Resident Advisor is the most most banal monopoly imaginable where it's like they basically control you know they they've got a they've got a top to bottom thing they, well, do, they do the ticketing they do the press they do the advertising they do they even have the job board now i mean the shit is like i mean i, I made the joke earlier about boiler room but it's you know it it's like you know boiler room is is similar to the sort of uh you know british empire just like pillaging for cultural artifacts and taking them back to the <laughs> metropole boiler room is like the 21st century i mean version i think the that. real um ra is the 21st century version of god i don't fucking know like standard oil but it's it's it this is marks like first is tragedy then is farce it's like it all sucks and like the it's all very similar in how it operates but it's <laughs> for fucking dance music it's so stupid yeah. yeah, it's really dumb. But I mean, what it really comes down to—hey, we're all fucking caught up in it, so yeah, that's that—that's that, that, the real tragedy and the real farce. Is that we're all right. fucking <laughs> involved? It's like, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah. But for me, the real issue is the lack of competition. Like, it's not—it's just that there's no there's no other game in town, basically, at this point. I, I think I mean I, I think RA does operate along sort of quasi monopolistic lines, and definitely the the jobs board thing is a real kind of weird twisted move. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, like, uh, how much power does RA even have at this point? Like, how like do people really care? Are people really paying attention? Like, if you're not a featured RA thing, then you're not like a real artist. I think in a lot of the public's eyes and the people right, who I consume this style of dance music. Definitely, they're like, "Oh, well, you don't have an RA mix. Oh, you don't have, yeah. Where your Where's your calendar? I, I'm not. I'm then not you're s- probably not even considered a real artist to people who might consider checking you out. I'm not saying know? that RA is not a factor in shaping trends. I'm saying that people have a tendency to overstate RA's influence because I think I think music journalism uh, and these kind of institutions, by and large, are are pretty irrelevant in in kind of shaping in shaping these trends. I mean, but what is relevant? Just Twitter threads, boiler room, boiler room. No, but those, but those two, those two operate they just, together. They go hand in hand. Burning Man. Right, it's, it's enough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, is it just me, or does it really feel like we're in a like complete inspirational dead zone right now? I feel so little inspiration from anything sort of dance music related, other than my own like private sort of. I don't know. Well, I tweeted last week that dance music fucking sucks and i got a lot of dumb shit for that yeah well you know what oh yeah you just gotta dig right you what gotta chris dig for the good stuff nobody ever complain about anything don't criticize anything everything is fine everything is great music is awesome i mean it's you're just, an asshole yeah it's just it's dumb <laughs> like you're a naysaying asshole have you been to a club it sucks yeah. like <laughs> the, the music you hear is fucking sucks i'm sorry like is there good music out there being made yeah like okay yeah. that's great i didn't say that that wasn't the case i'm excited about shit what are you excited about Susie? uh tell us there's a lot of weird fucking drum and bass related shit coming out that i love like the like the kind of post horror stuff that seems yeah, very exactly. on trend it's on trend. Uh, it's ooh, shots on, fired. That, that's on trend, but also off trend. Like no one's actually playing that stuff. No one's playing what it. What do you mean? And w- Isn't like... when I do play it, I 
clear the dance floor. But this is but this is exactly but, what I'm saying. You know, like again, good music's being play good music's being made. No one's playing it. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't like jungle the most like talked about, discussed and maybe DJ'd? Like jungle and drum and bass and stuff like that. Like stuff with I breaks. Think that's a weird, is like, like, this is like very now. I think that's it's a very weird, zeitgeisty. It's been zeitgeisty for like three years. Meme that doesn't actually correlate to real life. No, I think it's actually people are following this thread just like they were following the electro thread. I think I, mean, I, I think it's finally started happening. I I do hear I'm I down for it. Do then. hear people good? I I don't hear it out personally, but I do hear of people playing drum and bass sets more. But the are they playing drum and bass sets? I mean, to me, it's always like. There's this the break like house stuff. Yeah, all these trends are like ooh drum and bass electro, but to me it all just sounds like the same techno, but with like a couple of like signifiers. <laughs> right, right. There's like it's yeah, like sounds yeah. like Berkheim techno, but with like a fucking stupid speaking spell machine and like an 808 snare. It's like oh no that, but it, this is electro like sick. Right. And everyone's like okay cool this is electro now, and then drum and bass and jungle is like hip. Right, but right. again, it's all just like these signifiers thrown into the same. Template. Everything is like post genre now. And Anyway, right? Well, yeah, yeah, there yeah, is yeah. no genre anymore. Everything is Everything, just like everything's it's vibe mainstream and branding. And mainstream it's all underground together. Yeah, mainstream underground crypto tech house. That's what it is. It's all it's all it's all, it's all deck mantle uh, festival circuit music. But it's hypnotic it's and vibey. Uh, <laughs> love. It's gonna love be vibe. sick when deck mantle has their own Burning Man camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that'll get us to go. We'll go to Burning Man's first offsite festival in Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> Burning Man glamping edition. Burning Man glamping on the Amazon. It's Burning Man offsite. Yeah, team building. The team building. Wow. Glam glamp steampunk. Sounds like a sounds like a great time. Sounds like we should go. Um, I do think we need a field trip of some sort where we need to have a meeting of the minds and podcast remotely. Yeah, yeah. We need to we need to like go to the jungle and find our podcast selves and then emerge with new wisdom. Is yeah. this like a like an like an ayahuasca situation? No, no, no drugs. No, no drugs. No drugs. Just, no, no, no. We, out we, and we, we go to the Amazon ourselves. and we listen to Joe Rogan podcasts for forty eight hours <laughs> straight until we uh, until our third eye opens. This yeah, is yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how we do it. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if Joe Rogan likes underground mainstream underground music. <laughs> Joe Rogan likes Mord records. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I feel like Joe Rogan likes like he likes the hypnotic vibey. Like like Dave Matthews band, right? I have Ew, no idea what Joe no Rogan. Way. I have no idea what uh, yeah. I have no idea. I've actually never listened to a Joe Rogan episode. Jonas made me listen to a little bit. I think he I likes Perfect Circle. Oh. Uh, yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, tool. Yeah. Tool. tool. He loves Tool. Yeah. And fucking Mars Volta. Isn't he like a? He's yeah, like always he wearing like that. MMA shit and stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I, Joe Rogan might not believe in music. Uh, Jonas made me listen to a, a Rogan podcast. I, I like. I, I will say. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good interviewer. He's a funny guy. I, he's yeah. an attractive guy. Women, Whoa, women seem hey, to love him. Hots for Joey, really? Which is weird. Oh. I don't think men. I don't think most men register him as attractive, but women. I think he's women. probably one of those guys that I'm like, I did not think that he was really? attractive. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, he's just beefcake. He's pure beef. Yeah, he's pure beef, pure which beef. is like okay sometimes. You sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you want a steak, Chris. <laughs> don't have to tell me. <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, he, I, I, I get the appeal outside, like outside of the dubious politics and some of the some of the the, the dumber shit. I, I get the appeal. Yeah, this music. Tastes probably aren't great though, but then neither are leftists. 
Oh God, it's, <laughs> it's always. Yeah. I mean, I, I read, I read in this, uh, I read just a very cringeworthy line in this week's uh, or in this month's Jacobin, which was otherwise very, very good. It was a very good was issue. It something to do with like the Decemberists or something. Uh, I mean, you're not National. that far off. Um, no, it Arctic was, monkeys. I mean, it was. It wasn't about anyone being good necessarily. It was just like it was about some uh, rock some german like rock band that like did uh occupations of schools and things and you know were very like political and may have some dubious ties to red army faction and stuff this is you know west germany in the 70s um but the article was like and they proved that germans can really rock (laughs) oh yeah nice wow you know i got in a very heated argument in a facebook thread this is quite a number of years back (laughs) <laughs> uh, with uh, well, I I, I have a, a a dear friend who's a a leftist uh, professor, and uh, in the thread we we start we started talking about the Grateful Dead. I hate I hate the dead. I really hate the dead. The I dead are. I'm sure half dead, of our listeners really love the Grateful Dead. So let's. Sean can be open about his hatred of. The yeah, dead. I, I, yeah, I, be I, open about it. Uh, I I think that the you know the the Grateful Dead embody uh a lot of bad things, but one thing they embody is you know the kind of um. The boomers shift from kind of uh, utopian politics to kind of neoliberalism. Are they like anarcho-capitalists? They're they're kind of ANCAP, yeah. I mean, the, you know, Jerry was very much like I, I had to, I had to write the index for for a book on the Grateful Dead, so I I know more about them than I ever wanted to. Jerry was very like aggressively anti-politics, uh, and basically basically in a way that was basically meant to divorce himself from from a. Uh, Black Panther radicals and, and, and things like that. Yeah, anti being anti political, funnily, always has that sort of uh, <laughs> yes, yes. It's kind of is always like that, right? <laughs> like I don't believe in politics. I just don't like black people. Yeah, it tends to um, always fall the same way. Yeah, yeah. If you say if you say you you're 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 not into politics or above politics or whatever, then yeah, you're you're invariably kind of like a bigot bigoted uh, reactionary asshole. So yeah, uh, I. I, I went up in this this thread talking about the dead, and uh, there was a leftist in the thread who was just in fur like it's so furious at me, like no, you're missing the entire point. And the dead, like the 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 dead have like the roots of like a anarcho syndicalism in them, I'm like that's and the worst <clears throat> noodly garbage music I've ever <laughs> right. heard. It makes me feel like I'm on the worst LSD trip of my life. The views of Katie and Sean do not necessarily <laughs> reflect the views of Basecamp Beta. I feel like I'm trapped on a hippie jam lawn and everyone's like noodling around me and I'm just like standing there like melting into the ground. Oh yeah. And I'm just like oh. it's a terrible sound. Ah. I'm just like melting into the grass and it, it the, the Listening to the Dead does make you feel like, oh, shit, why did I take that acid again? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, 12 more hours of this shit? (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, some some leftists love the dead. I can really imagine the dead making you really wish there were just a a nice, smooth three-hour acid. You know, just something that was, you know. A.K.A. not real acid. Yeah. Just kidding. Um, Three-hour acid. That 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 sounds like a really good startup idea. 
I, I, Three I'm hour sure acid. it exists. <laughs> I'm yeah. sure we have friends who are on it right now. You're in I San just, Francisco. Yeah, you can true. get some of that three-hour acid. I, I've been, right, that's true. I've been so out of the drug loop for the last nearly 20 years. So. You work 12 hours, but you get a three-hour acid break at those tech companies. <laughs> yeah. And then okay, you go back so and you're you know gonna, how to program even better. Yeah, you're going to go into our 30th floor conference room uh, that we like to call the sweat lodge. And you're going to you're going to eat uh, a bunch of mushrooms and you're going to come back and tell us how we can get around uh, housing regulations. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sick. <laughs> Nationally or just in the city of San Francisco? Well, I mean, you know, you got to Start small, think big. Let's just yeah. say that. Let's talk music. Let's, yeah, let's talk. Let's, let's talk. talk we were already talking about the best music there is. So, uh, sure. segue. What are we segueing to? Dark Star, August fourteenth, nineteen seventy-two, is the heaviest music ever recorded. Let's go from uh, noodly garbage to uh, Klaus Schulze. <laughs> oh yeah. That, <laughs> I see what you did there, Chris. <laughs> I am joking about that, though. I, I do love Klaus Schultz, and Sean wanted to talk about Klaus Schultz. Oh, so. hell yeah. I, I think Katie probably wants to talk about this even more than me. But uh, I had actually never no, heard I don't. this track. I just which, really like which the one minor notes of the CD. Uh, yeah, this uh, off the uh, the Identity record. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the track right now. The Sell first, the first you track, something. Like it's a, a, a cellistica. So this is it's uh, a cosmic banger. It's, it's, it's a cosmic banger. It's a fucking killer. 17 minutes of uh, Can we listen to electronics it and cello. Throw on a little bit of it, yeah. That's dude. That's a dance floor banger waiting to happen. It's it's yeah. super sick. Needs edit. If you made a if you made like a club edit of that, it would go. Yeah, we need to make edits. We're we're we're. It's a project for the rest of this year. For you sure. want you want a, a three hour acid trip? This does it in seventeen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fucking sick. I had never heard this before. Um, the whole the whole record is is awesome. It's mm -hmm. uh, based on so German. It's based on Trockel. Uh, what's the novel? The the Sebastian. Uh, it's about like the this 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 the the, the life of this boy, and his kind of spiritual. That's awakening. very German. Just it's, right it's, there. It, no, <laughs> <laughs> the life the of life a boy. The life boy. of a boy and his kind of uh, spiritual journey or whatever. I love the uh, the prog rock overtones. It's super well, prog. Yeah. It's to me, it sounds like gushing. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Super, yeah, the synth. Uh, I don't know what kind of synth it is because mm -hmm. I have a hard time. Probably writing. like an EMS. It's big. All of the expensive synths. All of the expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like there's this amazing. Uh, I, not to do. I'll do a quick little tangent here, but there's this amazing video uh, on YouTube of Jean-Michel Jarre walking around his like on-stage setup in like the late oh, 90s I've or seen, something. You've oh, seen it. I've seen one from the 70s it's, that I'm, maybe he's like performing equinox or something and i'm just this like, one isn't when he's performing it's like a backstage thing and he's like showing around he's like yeah this is the uh synthy i used this for five seconds on this one song here's the prophet <laughs> five i use this for five seconds on this song right, here's right. a giant moog modular i use this for five seconds on this song wow. like literally every he has like 15 fucking thousand synths up there right you can't all hate of them on for that, one you know what i mean no it's kind of sick it's right. stupid, and I don't like Jean Michel's, Jean's music, but it's kind of pretty good. Oxygen, man. that one, that one track off of Oxygen. Maybe I need to revisit. You should, he, he's, he's got, got, he's got, got some, he's got cuts. Yeah. All right. 
That's a flex, dude. That's a that's a flex. That's a hard flex. I mean, I don't like him nearly as much as I like Klaus Schulze. I, I, I would I would agree. Especially but. like in the sort of like in, in this kind of genre, I feel like Jean-Michel Jarre and like Tangerine Dream kind of very Berlin school verbally synth stuff, like later Tangerine Dream. To me, that is like very um it's like a, an electronic music that I feel is like way better known than a lot of other shit. I, I, well, I mean, but Tangerine Dream have cuts too. They got no, cuts they have for amazing days. cuts, especially like you know early Tangerine Dream stuff. And that's also like I really love early Klaus Schulze stuff. I like how you described it as burbly. It burbles. It's a little burbly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I've, I yeah, like it. Does burble? Um, but this this doesn't burble. This this. This no, slaps. This, this, it glides. This slaps for yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. I mean, I, I, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know this. Didn't know we had it in him. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the whole record is, uh, is great. Um, a it lot feels of similar almost cuts. like a sci-fi soundtrack, a little bit like an '80s sci-fi. So yeah, it's it's a little, a little or uh, or you know Blade suspense Runner, thriller, Blade, Blade Runner soundtrack, suspense thriller maybe even, maybe it would go that far. Yeah, it's even very be, I mean, almost beyond Miami Vice. <laughs> but I, I do think the the it it does really hit the same notes that Gutsching does, and I think those are the notes that were most influential on on Detroit techno. Uh, I mean, especially with with Juan and Carl Craig, you, like you hear this sound, mm-hmm. uh, those chord progressions and those timbres. I think were really what what they were trying to channel. Mm-hmm. It's super cool, and then it's got the uh, Legati inspired. Uh, strings. I'm not sure if yeah. I'm saying that right. The, the strings Hungarian like are good. Composer. The strings are sick. The strings are sick. The strings are good. Yeah, the strings are <laughs> they're good, bro. Yeah, you wouldn't, you know. Strings are live. Not always, not always the case. According to Chris Miller, ladies and gentlemen, the strings are, are good. good. They're good. <laughs> Should we talk about? I'll just pull up mine. Yeah. Yeah. Stephen Malander, cool down. Everyone on this podcast, other than me, knows like way more about Cabaret Voltaire than I do. So I will leave them to fill in some of the biographical details. Um, I actually don't. I'm just a fan. Yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm a fan, and I love every all the work that all of them have done on their on the uh, on their own. Um, I guess Stephen Mallard is probably like the lesser known of the three original Cabaret Voltaire crew. Um, I mean, Richard H. Kirk definitely gets the lion's share. Of yeah, attention. and Chris Watson's um, on his own yeah. on his own thing. All of and all of it's amazing. But yeah, this twelve inches from eighty two or something. It says eighty one on the clip. Eighty one. Okay. Yeah. It's. I mean, I just love it. It's like, just. Which is a perfect track. Yeah. Well, it's, it's that like red mecca era of right. Cabaret Voltaire. Yeah. You hear that same like plucky but dubby yeah yeah bass. yeah the, the the dub influence is really pronounced just the baseline yeah. on this thing is killer it's just and such the use of space like yeah the min- like the way it's min- the 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 particular way in which it's minimal is just fucking mind-blowing i know just like very like very i almost feel sorry well just as you can say like very like the hinting 
at these little melodic flourishes, but they're not really there. And but I think mm-hmm. what you said about the space is like so key because I you know I so I know I said it before, but this is like exactly what's missing from music right now. Um, totally. This track just feels so airy and light and mm-hmm. open, but like the bass line, the drums, like keep it really like hitting hard. You know, it just yep. it's it's like taking the like freak out moments of Velvet Underground, but taking away the like distorted guitars and keeping the bass and drums and adding like a tinny drum machine. It's, t- to it's it. taking away the rock and adding the dub. Yeah, it's super. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, yeah, it's, yeah. But it, I do feel like uh, Velvet's indebted slightly. Sure. Yeah. I, that, would, I think that wouldn't have occurred of, to me, but that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. Well, it, like if you listen to like Sister Ray or like certain versions of that that song, I mean, you know, well, you you probably know the Joy Division Joy Division version of Sister Ray, yeah. which is super famous. But like um, post punk, all of that kind of experimental '80s stuff, they were looking to the '60s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of the times. Just just the way we're looking at the 90s now. Unfortunately. Not dissimilar. Yeah. I think the 60s are sort of overlooked in a lot of, um, when we think about like post-punk and punk history, people want to dismiss the 60s, you know, but there's actually a lot of um, important ground being broken then um and yeah i think, I think it's i think it's interesting to just think about all of this kind of music in as like connected somehow mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah no i think you're right that like <clears throat> people tend to look at at the 70s as kind of like the 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 starting point for a lot of really like all of the, the music we, musics we care about i don't think so but at all. but yes yeah, so, so many of the, so many of the roots of these things are obviously obviously the, the roots elements. are before every element in song composition has some root that goes a lot farther back than you think yeah you know? of course i mean i know just because it's what i know more about but i mean to take something like you know reggae which i love so much the music from the 70s and the 80s, you know, dub, dance hall, all this shit. But, you know, like the roots of that are in 60s, early sort of rock steady records or earlier in the 50s, ska, rock steady, you know, where like a lot of them were like Motown covers, but like a lot of like the roots for like what reggae then becomes. And then even in the 60s, there are some weird dub freak out things happening that then by the 70s, like everything starts getting pushed but i mean the roots are all there right to the 60s mm-hmm. and the 50s and the roots are never like forgotten they're never overlooked i mean it's just a trajectory that keeps going yeah yeah i i, think... I, I, I want to hear the track on 33 the the steven malander track. yeah so the funny thing about this steven malander track is um the a side is a uh, track called temperature drop it's great b side this track cool down um, See, temperature drop cool down even the titles smooth. It's yeah. really smooth. sound they sound like reggae titles you know oh yeah they do a little yeah, bit. yeah. Or ska titles yeah um, for some reason on YouTube, there's been this version that's just played at 33 instead of 45. Th- that, that, that to me just screams that Baldelli or Loda played it on 33. It's very, it's very possible. <laughs> Honestly, probably happened. But yeah, it just sounds so sick at 33 too. And that's the mark of a killer fucking record when it can be played yep. at both speeds. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's even sicker on 33. <laughs> I mean, it's just a different vibe, you know? What I love about this track at 33 is how that synth in the background stays 
as melancholy and moody as at the original tempo, but everything else feels totally different. Yeah, you're totally right. Yep. Which is so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a really cool. weird effect. I yeah, didn't think about yeah. that, but I've like noticed it before, but I, I never like actively thought about it. It's that. weird how it doesn't become sludgy. <clears throat> you know, it just becomes more bouncy. It, do, it doesn't sound wrong at the speed. Well, no, but I think that I, I, I honestly do think that this is sort of a byproduct of what I was talking about earlier of space in the music, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. with like this over compressed like shit with no dynamics, when you slow it down, you hear all these like artifacts and you hear everything and it becomes very sludgy. Like, you're saying yeah. you're also going to start hearing all the digital artifacts from the uh, shitty sample packs well of course using. of course well yeah, there's yeah, a yeah. whole uh, uh genre dedicated to this, this kind yes, of thing are, yeah. <laughs> probably are at this point i just um, love those digital artifacts give me more that's hashtag avant-garde <laughs> I mean, but it's just like with a, with a song like this, you really hear that, like, I think that's part of why it works is because the track itself is so, like, open and light and airy and full of space. And when you slow it down, like, it's it's the same thing with, like, Basic Channel. When with I play Chris. Basic Channel records at 33 instead of 45, they sound fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Snog time? Snog yeah, time? Snog time. God. Of course. Hell Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck change. is this? The Prodigy? <laughs> wow, it's so 90s. It is. It's from 92. Uh, Snog is Australian. It's a, it's the project of a guy called David Thrussell with a rotating cast of collaborators. And uh, they came out of the like EBM and industrial scene from the like the 80s, like the late 80s, you know, all the classics, Front 242 and uh, The Clinic and shit like that. Well, I discovered Snog pretty early on in my music listening career when I started listening to Frontline Assembly, okay. 242. Before you uh, continue, what I need you to do is paint a picture of what your early music listening career was like. What were you wearing? Where yeah, were I, you? I was about to say, when you're painting this picture... Let's, let's start wearing, with the shoes. Probably wearing a KMFDM shirt. <laughs> okay. And I was at home on my computer chatting on IRC, and I was downloading 128 kilobit per second MP3s on my parents' 56 kilobyte modem connection. Mm -hmm. What what kind of shoes were you wearing? I was probably wearing at that point. I was pro I had probably moved on to combat boots, which was like, yeah. which was Dude. the beginning of my. What about pants? What about pants? What about pants? I had combat pants. Boots. I was maybe wearing like absolutely dickies i was wearing dickies oh yeah oh yeah for dickies sure Sick. did you have a wallet chain i did you're checking all the but boxes maybe, bro. maybe like a year or two after this i got a wallet chain what nice. year is this well when did it come out or when no did when did it? you dress like this probably like 98 hmm. 97 98 99 a few years before i got the dickies and the pre-millennial tension um, All right, so now that now that our audience is right, is primed, primed, pump is primed, ready to go. Yeah, the, the the scene is set. Uh, Snog was definitely part of. Hold this, on, what posters uh, did you have on the wall? What posters? I had a uh, zombie Dario Argento. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. that's Fulci. 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 Oh, right, 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 right. Shit. Hell Fuck, yeah. yeah. Probably like a Nine Inch Nails poster, of honestly. Course. Nice. Yeah. That's proper. You and Sean. You should have known each the other. Same person. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, by 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 '98, well, my, my fashion was much uh, worse and weirder than worse. Yours. I, I, yeah. I wore I wore uh, beige khakis and olive green shirts exclusively. 
Uh, Hell yeah. Everything I owned was covered in ink stains because I thought it was really funny to break pens. And I had oh wow, I had pockets that were full of crumpled up paper that were covered in ink. <laughs> I was eccentric, okay? Yeah, wow. you were a special one. Yeah. Really cool, Sean. As, was I, as we all were, so here we are. And I was listening to, yeah, to, uh, I mean, I was, I, was, I was very into, like, Hyman Records and Anzen, so, some Anzen yeah. stuff. You know um, what? Yeah. But more, more, I was into drop bass, Japanese noise, and and like okay. and breakcore, like ambush records. So I discovered Snog before I discovered Ansen, but it was part of that like quote. It, it was it was part of this whole scene called electro industrial, which was neither really electro or industrial. <laughs> right, right. It yeah, like, it doesn't really sound like either of those. Yeah, it was basically think about if you turn Skinny Puppy into an entire genre. That's what electro industrial yeah. music was. Mm-hmm. And Snog was always, in my opinion, one of the most interesting acts in that genre. I like their artwork. It's very yeah, like, so uh, they, opening ceremony gotta, circa now. Yeah. I started listening. I recently stumbled upon an I Hate Models track. And I started listening to Why? it. Why? Did you stumble upon it? Gonna, because I, I, hate, I hate Models. Yeah. I think I Hate Models is one of the stupidest fucking names for an artist imaginable. It's a music's bad great name. though. Just like <laughs> on a purely aesthetic level, not even thinking. About I hate the models. Weird... Go on Basecamp Beta. <laughs> Just like we will invite you of... to not even tear thinking you about the weird apart. misogynist undertones of that name. It's super misogynist. Like any way you dice it, it's not even undertones. Well, I even, lo- yeah. I even looked. Right. You have like some uh, uh, some record coming out and uh, typical like there's some like sort of real porny like sex ta- track names. You know? Wow, edgy, yeah. edgy shit, dude. Real edgy. Yeah. And I mean, so I started listening to I Hate Models music just because I wanted to understand exactly what it was that I hated, and I realized <laughs> that i hate models is just repurposing repackaging electro industrial music for the techno set oh, which is so gross. amazing because for the for the that tech should house be sets. you chris <laughs> I, I could, it could have been me it could, it could be been you me. cz you could be i hate models I, I know i know i know i could be wearing a mask while djing you s- um, it's not too late though to rebrand you know you're right you're right this is a brand intervention right. it's not <laughs> you but i mean what 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 always cracked me up when I was growing up, because I, when I was growing up, I listened to this trashy electro-industrial music that came out on Metropolis Records, and I also listened to techno. And everyone I knew in I, who was into either one categorically hated the other. Right. I'm into techno, like, and I really hate this track. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, wrong. you really You're just hate flat this? out wrong. I mean, I don't like it. It's a sick track. It's 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 got a. I can take it out of the context of liking good music and still think it's like kind of cool. I it has a good like acid riff. I like I like the acid. The acid riff is is pretty sick. It's very like. It's it's very forward. It's very free tech. To me, this is like to me this is like ultimate suburban car music it's not well, like that, dj that, music that's what my life was yeah and the, like if you're like a rebellious teen in the suburbs in the in the 90s like this is your soundtrack you know it's m- making me think about how the whole world of like industrial techno has become this thing but uh, up until i hate models they hadn't really countenanced the history of electro industrial skinny puppy ripoffs and i feel like now that that's becoming a thing in techno because of i hate models and like watered down ancient methods sound alikes uh it's time to go back and actually revisit the source material and i think snog holds the fuck up you just really 
clearly pointed out the connection between uh, uh, like the kind of new new breed of um, of, uh, of yeah of kind of industrial EBM techno. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, that they they really are drawing their influence not from uh, you know not from SPK but from uh, right but from but from like right uh, velvet acid crunch <laughs> yeah 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 totally <laughs> totally it's it's um, or yeah it's like it's it's actually really future pop too right um, oh sure yeah like yeah I, I, I mean, well that, that that was kind of like the later stage of it but I'm not and it's like I'm not a giant fan of of of, of that era of uh, you know of electro industrial stuff myself either nor am I but uh, um, yeah that is that is really interesting how how it is kind of Having having it having is. a real moment, quiet, it maybe is. a little, it maybe is. a little bit quietly or kind of unacknowledgedly. But right, um, exactly. That 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 that's my point. Is like people listening to I Hate Models, like eighteen year old Dutch kids hopped up on pills, don't know that they're listening basically to Velvet Acid. <laughs> right, and right, I think, right. And I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. <laughs> so like, I Hate Models is good. <laughs> wow. Look, we're all we're, we're we're just all about going full circle. Yeah, we've made uh, progress. Yeah. Anyway, I think Snog is sick, and I'm gonna start playing this track out. I don't care. Fuck you. The baseline's sick. Yeah. The baseline's sick. Yeah. I mean, Chris, if I went to a party and you were playing and you played this track, I would be happy because <laughs> this would be right in line, and I'd have a good time. Okay. Because I'd be like, right. oh, this track is like exactly bringing the vibe that Chris brings to you know yeah. most things in life. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't true. personally like this track, but that's fine. I mean, there's sure. a lot of stuff I don't like, but you know, sure. in the right moment, you like to hear it. You know, yeah. I'm not gonna listen to this on you know on my way to work tomorrow, but I appreciate yeah. that it's there, and I appreciate that it's a a part of the musical diet that made you who you are. Exactly, and exactly. that brought us all together. Here, I would not be here today if it were not for Snog, and that's bold. Yeah. That's bold. That's big. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Is it time for uh, last track? Do an MO. Uh, we'll do an MO. They did one release and one track off of this album became a 12 inch, like an extended 12 inch on mute in 83. And it's the founder of Mute, Daniel Miller, with two members of Wire. I mean, all all members, all the members of Wire were continued to make music. Um, I just happened to gravitate the most towards Bruce Gilbert's output. Yeah, so this is like prime Mute. You know, this is like prime. This is eighty three. This is almost like Speak and Spell, Depeche Mode. Like it's, it's probably like, after Speak and Spell a year after but it doesn't matter anyway it's like i feel like they're taking their best work which is like you know the more experimental cuts on either chairs missing or um 154 and taking that to the more um electronic zone more with synths you know um less rock oriented um half of the album is like kind of soundscapey ambient but like weird weird zone 
<laughs> I don't know, like soundtracky kind of. And, well, yeah, then, I mean, I th- I and think- then the other, and then the other half of it, there's like three kind of poppy cuts, and this is one of them. If you would even this call is one it of the pop- poppy cuts, yeah. Okay. If you would even call it poppy, yeah, you know, it's obviously not. It's not. I think. The, I think <laughs> the, like, the the record would almost register as something that would have been on Sky if it wasn't for like the very slight post punky angular notes that are that are somewhat subtle. Well, there are post punky angular notes in some of those like cluster and you know records yeah, no yeah, no sure, exactly yeah. yeah yeah um and that's a, that's well, a cool thing about this bass, era you know yeah the bass line on this track kind of reminds me of the schultza bass line a little bit yeah you could mix them together for 27 minutes it's of, just uh, really good <laughs> electronics played really well in a really good studio and mixed and mastered really well yeah it's yeah. like yeah. it's warm and lush and soundtrack worthy no, it's, it's, it's and it's, experimental. It's all just masters at their prime. It's yeah, yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's, it's great, and they're making. And you can tell they're making the music that they want to make too. Mm-hmm. They're really expressing themselves and going kind of far out. Um, I love collaborations like this. Um, yeah, totally. where you can hear people out of the original context of what you know them in in this like new sort of um, area. Wire is definitely my one of my many cultural blind spots. I I yeah. oh, you, I you gotta, don't I haven't listened to any Wire wow, albums well, ever. You got to dig in, Dude. yeah. Yeah, I no, mean, I, I know that I should. My personal favorite but. for Wire albums. I mean, I love later period. I've been super into late period Wire, like uh, post eighties five eighty six Wire, mm-hmm. but my my you know like the. F- in the first like trio or whatever of those like iconic albums with the great artwork, you know, like I know the artwork for sure. Um, yeah. Chairs missing probably mm-hmm. is my number one. I, I prefer one five four, but it's it's close. But the but the album I've been mostly listening to in the past year or two is a bell as a cup until it is struck, which is a late period wire album. And it's more, it sounds kind of like a lot of the other like rock, um, like cooler, edgier rock bands of the time where they had that sort of like blown out 80s wall of sound thing, like Mm -hmm. Jesus and Mary Chain or uh, Love and Rockets. Like like that period of wire also, it reminds me a little bit of of Yellow. Like I think you're picking up on some of the, the same things you love in Yellow. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> where it's just like like very odd, almost prankstery kind of songwriting. Yeah, and it 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 would be at home at some weird, forgotten late eighties um, art house movie, yeah, and I that, can see that that's extremely my shit, you know. And I can see this duet mo record being the soundtrack. Yeah, for of sure. a lot of art house the, stuff. Yeah, like th- this duet mo record is um, especially this track that I chose, the first person. It really speaks to the exact template that I sort of imagine some of my side projects with my um, friends that I do, like PPG with my friend Lily, also known as 51717. It's like this track that's powerful, that has few elements, that does nothing, but it brings the tension and the dynamic sort of. It has a sequence and it has a rhythm, but it doesn't necessarily have like a beat or changes, you know, like this is like what I want to accomplish. Yeah, it's like the difference between like a horizontal and vertical music composition where like one seeks to like have events that happen and the other like seeks to just like create a vibe and maintain Mm -hmm. it, create like a mood and create like a sonic world and it doesn't like mess with it. It just kind of like creates it, lives in it for a bit and then leaves. 
Yeah. Um, which has been what has always attracted me to a lot of the music that I love. Yeah. And I think this record does that so well. If you listen yeah. to it start to finish, it is it is that. Shall we wrap it? This has been Base Camp Beta. Base Camp Basic. Basic Camp Basic. Uh, recording as usual from Control. Let's give a shout out to our patrons. Howdy, patrons. Yeah. Thank you, patrons. If you'd like to be a patron, it's pretty easy. Just give us money. Patreon. Easily done. Slash Basecamp Beta. We're working on doing something special. I don't know. We, We're going to get we some rewards. Yeah, for yeah, you. we yeah, yeah. call in. Listener call in. We, yeah, we want to maybe sort of set up a listener hotline, patron hotline. Yeah, we get we, we we got some we got some stuff on the back burner. We also have some pretty cool guests coming up. We got stuff on all the burners. We got stuff on all the burners. Yeah, it's a great time We're to get in it on hot. the yeah, great time to get in on the ground floor base camp beta. We got guests. We got um, potential things that we'll give you maybe. Um, we're, we're over here doing the neutron dance. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.